Chapter Eighteen of Molly Brown's Senior Days by Nell Speed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Two Christmas Breakfasts. Early Christmas morning, a slender figure in faded blue corduroy could be seen hurrying up the road that led from the village to the college grounds. The frosty wind nipped two spots of red on her cheeks and under the drooping brim of her old blue felt hat her eyes shone like patches of sky in the sunlight where was molly bound for at this early hour the church bells were ringing out the glad christmas tidings the ground sparkled with hoar frost but not a moment did she linger to listen to the cheerful clanging or even to glance at the lonely vista of hill and dale stretched around her hurrying across the campus she skirted the college buildings and presently gained the pebbled path that led to the old campus in the rear flanked by a number of old red brick houses formerly the homes of the professors they were now used for various purposes the college laundry homes for the employees about the building and grounds and rooms for bachelor professors hastening along the path to the house where professor green was domiciled molly was thinking only a year ago i had to make the same apology to him oh my wicked wicked temper i am ashamed of myself and now she had reached the old brick house and sounded the brass knocker with an eager rat-tat-tat presently she heard footsteps resounded along the empty hall and the irish housekeeper flung open the door is professor green up yet molly demanded and sure i've not an idea whether he be up or slappin but can't you see i cannot i wouldn't be an easy thing to do i'm thinking and why not pray it must be his breakfast time you have only to rap on his door and it's very important and if it's so important you'd better be after sending him a cable to the bahamas where the professor is sunning himself at present nonsense mrs brady the professor got back last night i saw him myself he must be up in his room now do go see you haven't cooked him a bit of breakfast i suppose mrs brady turned without a word and tiptoed up the stairs molly heard her breathing heavily as she moved across the hall and tapped on the professor's door then came a muffled voice through the closed door i'll get you some breakfast sir called mrs brady and down she came sure and you was right and i was wrong and i'm obliged to you for the information but he'll not be ready for seeing people for an hour yet maybe longer mrs brady said molly moved by a sudden inspiration let me get his breakfast but 
objected the Irish woman. I'm a splendid cook, and I'll give you no trouble at all. Please. Molly put her hands on the Irish woman's shoulders and looked into her face appealingly. Sure, them eyes is like the gals in the old country, miss, remarked Mrs. Brady, visibly melting under that telling gaze. Ye can do as you like, but if the professor don't like his breakfast, the blame be on you. He'll like it, I'm perfectly certain, said Molly, following Mrs. Brady back to the kitchen. It's a very, very funny world, said Mrs. Brady, displaying the contents of her larder to the volunteer cook. Her resources were limited, to be sure, but Molly improvised a breakfast out of them that a king would not have scorned. There were pop-overs done to a golden brown, a perfect little omelette, bacon crisp enough to please the most fastidious palate, and an old champagne glass, the spoils of some festive occasion, filled with iced orange juice. The coffee was strong and fragrant. He's very particular about it, miss, and he buys his own brand. Then Molly set the tray, Mrs. Brady's best white linen cover, she snatched from the shelf without asking leave. In a twinkling, she had polished and heated the blue china dishes, placed the breakfast on them, and covered them tight with hot soup plates, since there were no other covers. Then she snipped off the top of a red geranium blooming in the window sill and dropped it into a finger bowl. Lord love ye, miss, but that's a beautiful tray, exclaimed Mrs. Brady, hypnotized by Molly's swift movements and skillful workmanship. If I did not know you was a lady from your looks, I should say you was a born cook. But Mrs. Murphy be after telling me how you used to make things in her kitchen. You must be the same one, since it's red hair and blue eyes you have. Molly had disappeared into the pantry to replace the flour sifter when Mrs. Brady was holding forth, and now through a crack in the pantry door, she saw the kitchen door open and Professor Green in a long dressing gown stalk in. Don't bother about breakfast for me, Mrs. Brady, he said. A cup of coffee, quite strong, stronger than you usually make it, please. That's all I want. Mrs. Brady, glancing at Molly hidden in the pantry, saw her shake her head and place a finger on her lips. The Irish woman smiled broadly. It was a situation in which she saw many humorous possibilities and an amusing story to tell over the teacups to Mrs. Murphy and Mrs. O'Reilly. Sure, and ye needn't eat it, sir, she said in an injured tone, but it's all prepared and of the very best. The professor glanced at the tray. Why? he exclaimed in amusement. 
this is something really fine mrs brady i didn't know you were getting up a holiday breakfast visions of slopped over trays weak coffee and hard toast passed before him for mrs brady was not a cook to boast of i'll eat it down here if you've got no objection he continued kindly lifting the covers and glancing curiously underneath by jove this is something like omelette and what are those luscious looking things they be popovers sir if i'm not mistaken popovers a hem i've heard the name before he sniffed the small coffee pot good and strong you've anticipated my wants this morning mrs brady why doesn't he go on and eat thought the red-haired cook the omelette will be ruined but the professor had drawn up a chair to the kitchen table and was draining the orange juice at a gulp you're getting very festive mrs brady have you been taking lessons in my absence that orange juice was just the appetizer i needed this morning then he fell on the breakfast and never stopped until he had eaten every crumb and drained the coffee pot to the dregs in the meantime molly had taken a seat on the pantry floor a weakness had invaded her knees and her head swam dizzily since she had had no breakfast that morning i suppose judy will think i'm dead she thought but it won't do her any harm to be guessing about me for once she hoped the professor would leave in a moment and go to his rooms he had filled a short briar wood pipe and was leaning back in his chair musing but he couldn't stay forever in mrs brady's kitchen mrs brady that was a very dainty and delicious little meal you prepared for me she heard him say i was a bit low in my mind but i feel cheered up a cup of coffee if it's good as this was is often enough to restore a man's ambition and now the kitchen was filled with the fragrance of tobacco smoke while the professor mused in his chair blowing out great clouds at intervals a bachelor is a poor pitiful soul sir answered the woman now if ye had a wife to look after ye you'd be after havin the like breakfast every morning the professor blew out a ring of purple smoke and watched it float lazily in the air and gradually dissipate didn't you know i was a woman hater mrs bradley indeed i should think ye might be seeing so many of them every day and all the time answered the housekeeper sympathetically too much of a good thing sir but when old age comes to ye you'll miss em sir you'll miss a good wife to look after your comforts then i've got something better than that for my old age mrs brady i've got a bit of land it's an orchard on the side of a hill sloping down to a brook 
Molly, sitting on the pantry floor, felt a sudden jolt as if someone had shaken her by the shoulder. Faintness came over her and her heart beat so fast and loud she wondered that the two in the kitchen did not hear its palpitations. The trees bear plenty of apples. I have lots of fruit in my old age. I've only to hobble out and knock them down with my cane when I get too old to climb up and shake the limbs, and where one swung a hammock in my orchard I may build a little hut. It's a pretty picture, sir, but lonely, I should say. Ah, well, Mrs. Brady, there'll be four walls to my hut, and every inch of those walls will be covered with books, announced the professor, as he strolled out of the kitchen, leaving the door ajar. Molly, now thoroughly exhausted, amazed, and quite faint from her emotions, was pulling herself to her knees when the professor marched swiftly back into the room and walked into the pantry. I wanted to see how much coffee you had left, he began. I'll be writing for more. His foot encountered something soft on the floor, and glancing quickly down, he caught a glimpse in the shadow of a figure huddled up in the corner. The face was hidden in the curve of the elbow, but he saw the red hair and a beam through the crack in the door cast a slanting light across the blue silk blouse. Why, Molly Brown, my little friend, he exclaimed, and he lifted her to her feet and half carried her to a chair near the fire. So it was you who cooked me that delicious Christmas breakfast and now you're half dead from fatigue and hunger. You had no breakfast. Confess. Molly lifted her eyes to his and shook her head. Then she lowered her gaze and blushed. I'm too ashamed to think of breakfast, she said. Mrs. Brady, put the kettle on, ordered the professor. Get out the eggs. Where's the bacon? In the jar slice, sir. But protested molly don't say a word child be perfectly quiet then the professor began to fly about the room tearing into the pantry rushing from the table to the stove and back again rummaging in the refrigerator for oranges and butter and upsetting two chairs that stood in the way all this time mrs brady quietly toasted bread and broiled bacon while there hovered on her lips an enigmatic smile. Then she scrambled two eggs while the professor tested the coffee and squeezed an orange alternately. Molly watched him in dazed silence. He bought the apple orchard, and that is how I happened to be at Wellington this minute. She kept thinking mechanically. He worked all summer, and got into debt and caught typhoid fever in order to furnish me, she choked, and I spoke to him like that. No wonder he's a woman hater. No wonder he wants books. Ready, announced Mrs. Brady, and the next thing Molly knew, she was sitting at the table drinking orange juice 
while the professor buttered toast and poured out the coffee presently it was all over two christmas breakfasts had been prepared in mrs brady's kitchen that morning where none had been expected twas lucky i laid in supplies exclaimed the genial irishwoman a body can never tell what starvin' creatures coming to the door beggin' for a crust and now molly brown found herself almost without realizing it walking across the college grounds beside her professor i can never never thank you she was saying i couldn't even try don't try he answered indeed i ought to thank you for introducing me to that lovely bit of orchard as for the money it was fairly crying out to be invested i think i made a great bargain but dodo said dodo talks too much said the professor frowning he knows nothing about me and my affairs anyhow you'll let me apologize for the way i answered you last night said molly giving him a heavenly smile the professor looked away quickly the apology is accepted he said gravely and now we are friends once more miss molly brown of kentucky are we not yes indeed cried molly joyfully feeling happy enough to dance at that moment end of chapter eighteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c